If you'd all like to open your Bibles or your colouring books um, to Leviticus chapter 2. Um, Charm, Lord gave me a word for you and I've just got to say this, it's a psalm. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Um, help me out here. He restores my soul. It leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I'll, I felt God said to you that he wants you to make that your psalm, your prayer for the next few months because you're going to go through some stuff and that's got to be the psalm you've got to hang on to, yeah? yeah? Just really, just really stand with God on that. Is that all right? Thank you. Yeah, everyone, we all good with that? Yeah, okay. Right. Okay, so Leviticus 24. No, I said two, as in then I didn't get to the four bit. So Leviticus 24. <laughs> hang on. So, when I, when I first got saved, you know, I was telling you about that, that trip to Malaysia that I went to in the, in the second service. Um, God really sort of showed me some stuff back then. I mean, that was a long time ago. How long ago was it, Tracy? 21. I was 21. All right, so I'm now. Now. This microphone's not working. I'm now. Um, yeah, so I'm now 50. And so that was a long time ago. But, but back then, God put something in my heart that I've always longed to see and still haven't yet seen it. And it was, and I saw, I've seen glimpses of it throughout my life where, where God is just moving so beautifully, you know, and, and wonderful things are happening. And I've, I've been privileged to be through, a, I wouldn't say revivals, but certainly a couple of renewals and seen some amazing things. But that's nothing in comparison to what's coming. And I've always known, even at that early age, you know, I was telling about that time when we preached in that, that, that big church on stilts or that house in stilts, and all those people went out in the spirit and all kinds of stuff. I've always known that that's what God wants for the church. Not, not crazy stuff, but actually God moving amongst his people and wonderful things happening, people being set free and, and, you, and people being so uh, in, uh, encapsulated in the love and the joy and the power of the spirit. The man, you just can't switch it off. Wherever you go, you just got this Holy Ghost glow, and uh, and and people will see it and people will respond to it. And I believe we're coming into those times. I do believe that we're on the cusp of something truly amazing. I do believe this country is going in for a really hard time, and we're going to see a lot of difficulties in the church over the next few years. You're going to see massive churches just vanish. Yeah. Oh, it's going to go. Um, and you're going to see famous leaders go down and unknowns come up. You're going to see a whole topography shift in the church over the next uh, few years. Um, some of this is good. Some of this is not so good. But one of the things that we need to be mindful of as Christians is like, don't become sidetracked by all this stuff. You know, God's doing what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Um, but we must just keep our eyes on Jesus and keep focused on him because some good stuff's going to happen. If we put ourselves in the place where, you know, we're in that place where it's like, OK, God, use me. Little old me, use me. You're right at the back there, Scott. You've fallen out with someone. You're in trouble. <laughs> Sorry. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. So anyways, look at this verse 20, uh, this chapter 24, because uh, as I was just praying tonight, I just felt God wanted to sort of rekindle this stuff from when I was younger, in that the church needs to really start being expectant for a move of God. Well, I've been, I've been in places where um, people were so expectant God to do something, so expectant that God would do something. The air was electric, you know, and when it's like that, there's no telling what can happen. And I, I have been very blessed to see, I was privileged to see something. There was a, there was a small group of us um, uh, many years ago, again, before I was married, and we, we, just, we just got together and we started praying. And some, you know, I can, I can only describe it as some incredible things happened. And we, we meet together and we were so expectant that God would move. I mean, there was only like six of us and it was so powerful. It was just amazing. And uh, I remember, you know, all sorts of stuff was going on. I remember prophesying out the window, saying the move of God is coming. I remember at the church I was in at the time, which is Southampton Community Church, I was doing a year of training over there. I was saying, you know, a move of God's spirit is about to hit the church. And I remember that at that time. And to be fair, I, I don't know if I would have done the same, but the leaders were like about us guys, you know, because we were young and let me at them, let me at them. And they were like, come on, guys, calm down. You're probably getting into the flesh there. But we weren't. We were genuinely moved by the spirit. But anyway, several months later after that, we prophesied that God was really going to move. And what we were doing and what we were experiencing several months later, it exploded into the youth group, into the church. And now their youth group was huge because it was a lot of the students that were all around Southampton and they were hit by it. And they were all praying and crying out and they were being changed and transformed and wonderful things were moving through that church. And then it spread throughout the whole area. And so we, we were quite privileged to, to experience that. And I've experienced other things where I've been abroad and seen God do some amazing stuff. But I think it's time for us to be expectant that God wants to do that through us. And that, that we need to be expectant that God will do it through us and that he can use us. The more I think about the, pe the, you know, the people that God uses, they all started off something small. They all started off like little old so-and-so. I mean, Catherine Coleman. Catherine, has anyone heard of Catherine Coleman? Yeah, she's pretty much a, was a household name. She's an amazing woman of God. She's gone to glory now. Bit weird. She'd walk around in these big flowing garments the holy spirit is here and she'll talk like that should be very much a bit creepy really is it's like you're scaring me but but wonderful things you know the spirit of god really moved through her and but that's not how she began she began like way back she didn't know anything. She didn't even know what the word theology meant. She just knew nothing. I mean, she's even here in her testimony. And she just felt called to preach the gospel and she'd go around and she'd go around all America in those days and, and preach the gospel. And said sometimes she literally slept in a turkey barn overnight because there was nowhere for her to sleep. And there was no power and there was no anointing on her like at all. But she was faithful to God's calling. And she was faithful. I think she did that for like years and years and years. And then eventually, she fell in love with some guy um, but it was a relationship should never have happened and she got to the altar and she married him and as soon as she married him she realized she'd made a mistake um, and then she basically left him on that day and she said then for the next part of my life I died a thousand deaths a day and that was when she finally died to herself then God started moving her through her more powerfully more powerfully and she would say you know every time she was about to go on the stage 
She said, she lit, again, she said, I'd die a thousand deaths because I know there's such need out there. You know, she's about to walk on this platform and there's people with cancer and all sorts of stuff. But she knows that there's nothing she can do herself. There's nothing she can say. There's, she has no power of her own. And that's, that's a place of real humility. It's a painful humility when people are so desirous of what you can bring, yet you know yourself that actually you can bring nothing. It's God that's choosing to use you and it's him that brings the goods. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's an awful situation to be in. As I said this last week, you know, when we, were, when we did the first, first main meeting that Living Word did was that big prayer crusade, I mean, that healing crusade, wasn't it? <clears throat> and that was funny, but, but the amount of people that came into the building that night, you know, children in wheelchairs and all kinds of stuff, it was really, I was just distraught with shock and horror. I mean, this was, this was a long time ago. This is not like now. Um, and, and seeing the need and what people needed a touch from God. And that was really very powerfully humbling and frightening because it's like, God, I can't do anything. These people need you. And God, it has to be you because if you don't do it, then we're all in trouble, you know. So anyway, back to Leviticus 24. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel. Now, Claire, can you switch the lights on, please? I'm getting to that age now, you see. No, no, they're off. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of beaten. Thank you. Pure olives for the lamp that a light may be kept burning regularly. Aaron shall set it up in the tent of meeting outside the curtain of the covenant to burn from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. He shall set up the lamps on the lampstand of gold, of pure gold, before the Lord regularly. I can't remember that word regularly, regularly. It's really hard to say that. Continually, I prefer that one, but I don't think that's what it says. Does it say continually in your translation? So continually, oh, that's much better, regularly. Okay, right, continually. Now, this particular scripture's always spoken to me over the years. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, we had Sunday schools, and we had to sing those songs. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in the lamp, I pray. Come on, Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, keep me burning till the break of day. One, two, three. King Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Hallelujah, glory. Right. So I was brought up on that sort of stuff. So when I, when I hear of lamps and oil, it's like, ooh, it reminds me of Sunday school. No, I didn't go to Sunday school, but it reminds me of school assemblies. But there's some wonderful stuff here. Is that the menorah is a fantastic, beautiful thing. There's not many things on the planet Earth, or sorry, the, the Earth, uh, that is actually directly, <laughs> stop it, you two, right, directly from heaven. Because we know that the menorah is seen in the book of Revelation. And so it's there in heaven right now and Jesus walked amongst the seven candlesticks or the seven menorahs and so the menorah on earth is physically a shape and an outline of something that is real in heaven and every time I look at a menorah I just look at it thinking wow you are teaching me and revealing things to me of the kingdom of heaven that just blow my mind something physically on earth that is actually from heaven I think that's amazing that the menorah is actually on the earth, but it is exactly what is seen in heaven. I think that's incredible. And 
What I think that is equally incredible when you study the, the menorah is a whole load of teaching on it, which we don't have time to go into, but it's enormous. I don't think that anyone has exhausted the subject of the menorah. It's just so huge. But give you a, a little sniff, a little shake of things to, to think about. So the menorah, it's a, a seven-pointed candelabra, you know, seven points to it. Oh, I thought it was funny then. No, it's not. She's not laughing at me. Who are you laughing at? You, you, you two. No, you're all right. What's a menorah? So, Google. Right, okay. Well, that's because it's your phone. Right. So anyway, so the Jewish menorah, it represents the sevenfold spirit of God. It represents the seven churches. It represents the seven, uh, the seven angels or the seven spirits. Um, it's the sevenfold spirit of God. There's so much things. It represents Jesus and, and various other things. It's, it represents the, the six branches, which represent man and God in the middle. It's, it's, there's so many wonderful things that, that it represents. It represents the Holy Spirit and it represents Jesus, who is the light and all these kind of things. The, the menorah has so much to teach us. But, the, the, but one of the things that's key is the oil that goes into it. And uh, if we turn to Zechariah chapter 4. Now Zechariah's got a few things to say about the menorah. This is the vision of the lampstand and the olive trees. It says, the angel who talked with me came, and this is from verse one, and wakened me. And as one is wakened from sleep, he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see a lampstand, all of gold with a bowl on the top of it. There are seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And by it, there are two olive trees, one on the right of the bowl and the other is on the left. And I said to the angel who talked to me, what are these, my Lord? And then the angel who talked to me answered and said, do you not know what these are? I love angels. They're just like, don't you get it? So, well, no, I wouldn't have asked the question otherwise. Um, no, my Lord, he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, in many, in many respects, that really still doesn't answer the question, does it? It's like, well, what is that? And he's like, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You haven't answered the question. Okay, but there's something in there that's really important that not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, the Holy Spirit is desperate for Christians to go back to being a Holy Spirit reliant people. You know, uh, about a month ago, uh, I kind of resisted it for a long time, but the Holy Spirit said to me, I don't want to use any more notes anymore. Don't, don't even, don't, you don't even know what you're going to talk about when you get up. It's, that's how I want it to be. And today, I've been doing that for like the last month now, but today was the hardest for me at, at, at the two o'clock service because like I had nothing to go on. I was literally stood up here shaking because I was like, I have no idea what on earth I'm going to talk about. And because normally the Holy Spirit tells me as the service was going on. But today and someone had a prophetic word for me saying, hey, Chris, let go of the reins. As you let go of the reins, the horse will go faster and you'll go faster, too. And I was like, let go of the reins. Oh, my days. You know, where am I going to go? Um, and so, and again, and it's just that, that trusting and that reliance on the Holy Spirit and walking and moving by faith and living and breathing and having my being in him and doing and saying what he wants us to do and say. You know, the scriptures say in that hour of, you know, when you've been before, before kings and stuff like that, don't even prepare what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say when you need to say it. And if you can do it when you're about to get killed, surely you can do it when you're about to preach. All right. Amen. 
And it can do it for all of us. Doesn't matter where you are. You can go up to people in the shops, in Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda's. You know, God is not particularly, uh, has no favorites. And you can prophesy over people. You can talk to people. You can pray for people. You can minister God to people. Hallelujah. And there's some people good at it, right? Who do, who do stuff like that. You should go and do it. God wants us to be a people that are filled with the oil of the Spirit of God. But the question is that we have to ask ourselves, is it's all very well being told, hey you, be filled with the Spirit. And it's like, well, well, good for that, thanks Chris, but how do I do that? Do you want to know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Shall we? No? Yeah? All right, come on then. Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. verses 18 onwards verse 18 do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be sorry that's what they do at youth on Tuesday is it cool here we go then do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit now the word there fulfilled in the Greek is in a present tense. So it means it's not just be filled like in 1972 when you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic renewal, but it means to be continually, ongoingly being filled with the Spirit every moment of every day, all right? Hallelujah. So you can wake up every morning and go, fill me Jesus, fill me, you know, uh, if you wanna do that. So, so carry on, so it basically says, do not get drunk with wine, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, how? As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we give thanks in all circumstances and we praise him and we rejoice in him and we worship him and you keep that worship music on and stuff, it keeps you being filled with the Spirit. You stay in the place of the overflow. And this was something the Holy Spirit spoke to me years ago. He said, you need to stay in the place of the overflow. The overflow is where you are so walking in those things and those principles. And they're not hard. That You don't have to be a super saint to do this stuff. It's really easy, actually. You, know, you don't have to be like on your knees like five hours a day before you get the glory. It's, it's like anyone can do this. And it's just about being in that place of being constantly thankful and grateful and worshipping and adoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, because he is beautiful. He is the altogether lovely one. He is the king seated on the throne with myriads and myriads of angels. Oh, Jesus, you're so beautiful. You're worthy. You're lovely. Lord Jesus, who is like you, Lord, never ending in days. Almighty God, we love you. We delight in you. We rejoice in you. We praise you. We adore you. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Words cannot express our love for you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us and we give you all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah and all the saints said Amen. now we're all getting filled with the spirit hallelujah glory be to God it doesn't take much does it you don't have to go in a prayer line and have someone try and push you over you can actually just do this at home anywhere in the car it's great and do it in the toilet if you want to um, let's not go there okay so Luke chapter 12 verse 35 it can be dangerous in the car yeah I genuinely drive slow when I listen to it do you? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. Sorry, uh, chapter 12, verse 35. 
Okay, and it's just a simple verse. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. All right? Keep your lamps lit. So we have in the Old Testament, it was like they've got to keep that menorah lit all the time. Yeah, because of what it represents. It represents the continual presence of the Holy Spirit in the, in the holy place and in the most holy place. And so we as Christians, we as a church, we as one of those seven churches in the, in the seven stick candelabra, we have to have the oil running through us all of the time so that we can be ministering the oil, the wine of the kingdom to people. Tracy, you had a song earlier on, didn't you, about the wine of the kingdom? One shall tell another. This is your moment. Let's do it. I'm not singing that. I'll read it to you. Go on then. <laughs> It's the one shall tell another. One shall tell another, and he shall tell his friends, husbands, wives, and children shall come following on. From house to house and families shall all be gathered in, and lights will shine in every street, so warm and welcoming. Come on in and taste the wine of the kingdom. Amen. Yeah. Good old Graham Kendrick, eh? God wants us to have this wine of the kingdom in us, and he wants us to have this oil of the kingdom in us as well. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, Lord, we just want more and more and more and more and more of your oil running in and through our lives. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. This oil comes with a health warning. It makes you a little bit weird. Okay, it does. I, I, I've seen things and I've seen things and, I, and I've, I've, God has given me visions of the future. And, and there's a time where there are some there are Christians that are so in the things of God that they, they are just like they're like a perpetually drunk in the spirit. They're not silly, but they are so just covered in God and covered in the oil of his spirit. And, and when you come too close, you can feel it coming onto you. These are the things that God has for us. You're like, oh, Chris, this is just airy fairy nonsense. It's not because God's done it before in the, in the Hebridean revivals. You know, there's, there's people there. I know people that go there and have met people that were in those revivals, one or two of those revivals, because obviously there's several of them, there's about five or six of them. And they said, you know, that they'd be eating their breakfast. I said this before, they'd be eating their breakfast and the spirit of the Lord was so strong, they would literally pass out into their breakfast bowls like that, wake up with their breakfast all over their face. They were just completely drunk in the things of the spirit. The spirit of God was moving so powerfully that, that the church were up in there on their little holy huddle doing their little churchy thing. But the spirit of God hit the village. People were literally crying out and falling out under the spirit and repenting. Like this spirit of conviction fell on them and they just like people were crying. And then they all ran to the church like what the heck's going on around here? They all went to banging on that church door. And when they opened the doors, there was like half the village was there like what is going on around here? And this was mass conversions to Christianity overnight. This is not this is not made up stuff. This is real. This is true. This is British history. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And God is going to do it again. And God is doing it again. And it started. But you and I, we not we need to get to a place where we are constantly expecting God to do something in our lives. Because if you don't expect anything, you're not going to get anything. If you don't believe God for a miracle, you ain't going to get a miracle. If you believe God for nothing, then that's exactly what you're going to get. If you believe God for something, you might get something. You've got to be very specific in what you want to, to believe God for. It's like the Spirit is saying, so what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do among you? What do you want me to do? And be expectant that he will answer you. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And his spirit is here now. And he is here now. And the spirit is saying to you, so what do you want from me? What are you expectant from me? 
How far? How deep? <coughs> how wide is my greatness and my love towards you? Unfathomable is my power and my glory and my holiness and my love towards you. So I ask you, church, what is it that you want from me? It honours the Father when whatever we ask for in his name and we receive it, it gives glory to the Father. This is not about getting what you want from God. It's about laying down our lives as a living sacrifice to him. And it's about what is it that we really want from God? The Holy Spirit is saying to me right now, whatever your dreams are, dream bigger. Whatever your aspirations are, go beyond it. Um, I remember All Roberts, Healing Evangelist, he used to have this plaque on his, um, not on his teeth, plaque on, the, on his table, and it said, think, uh, think nothing small here. In other words, don't, don't belittle God. Don't, don't put him down into a little matchbox or into something that you can just about cope with or you can just about believe. God is saying, what do you want from him? God is saying, you've got to think bigger. You've got to go beyond your wildest dreams or your imaginations and think bigger, 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 bigger. Because the move of God that's coming is beyond anything you've ever experienced. I remember speaking to a really beautiful man of God. He runs like um, a Spurnham place. And he's, he's had visions of, he said that in this revival coming, he said they're, they're the, these combine harvesters, but they're not like little mini ones that we get on a farm. These are enormous machines that are literally grabbing the souls and churning them in, putting them in the back and churning them out into hay bales. It's, he said the sheer volume of people getting saved in these days is so enormous that we have to think bigger. And the Spirit of God said to me, don't you dare turn people away saying, sorry, mate, but the church is just too full. We can't cope with any more salvations. We can't cope with it anymore because that's what's going to happen. There's going to be so many people getting saved in the days to come. So many people that Christians simply can't say, I'm sorry, mate, but we just can't cope with all of this growth. We just can't deal with it. Because if you do that, you will grieve the spirit of God and God will be displeased with you. And I'm speaking this to the people listening to this as well on YouTube and on the podcasts. This is a very serious warning from the spirit of God. The church needs to be prepared. The church needs to be a people that are ready. And you might think, but we are but a small congregation. But Jesus used 12 disciples and he turned the world upside down. And the church went from 120 and it went to 3,000 overnight. Then a couple of weeks later, 5,000 men got saved, not including the the women and the children and it exploded and exploded and exploded and exploded oh I'm not into mega church well good that's fine for you but God's into mega church because there's one in Jerusalem there's one in Ephesus and there's one in Laodicea this God is just going to do some amazing things so great and so big and so beyond anything we could ever dream or imagine by his power as a work with us and the spirit is saying what do you want from me <laughs> the spirit is saying what do you want? The Spirit is saying, dream bigger, think bigger. Whatever your dreams and your aspirations are, think bigger. Because the Lord says, if you're walking in his ways, he will give you the desires of your heart. But if your desire is just for a little, little, little bitty thing, well, fine, he will give you that. He'll bless you. I'm reminded of a story where 
I told you this before, but there was this woman, she was in a healing line, she came up dragging her, dragging her foot like this. And so she came up, obviously everyone thinks, well, we all know what she wants healing for. So she came up and he was like, so what can I do for you? And she's like, pardon? He's like, what, do, what can I do for you? I need prayer for healing for my ears. So they prayed for healing for her ears and her ears got instantly healed. And she went, thank you, praise God. <laughs> and the guy said, hang on. He said, what about your leg? She said, no, I just want healing for my ears. I can cope with the bad leg. And it's like, this is exactly what the Spirit is saying to his church right now. Are you going to be those guys like, well, I got my hearing back, but I'm going to drag my leg around for the rest of my life. Or are you going to be like, God, it's all or nothing. I'm just going to pour out everything for you. I'm going to give you everything. And if you want to use me as a vessel for your glory, if you want me to be the next Billy Graham or whatever, then God, here I am. I'm going to think big. I'm going to dream big. I'm going to see big. I'm going to pray big. I'm going to act big. I'm going to believe big. Because we have a big, 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 big God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> don't hurt me, don't hurt me. I might like to just read that in over, over there from Old Roberts. Go for it. Do you want to? Yeah, go for it. This is from Old Roberts. He's the healing evangelist. Often people say to me, Old Roberts, tell me how to pray. What do I say to God? I reply. Why don't you talk to him as a heavenly father and say, Father, and then tell him whatever's on your heart. <clears throat> My mother was helpful to me on this point. Before I became a Christian, she often urged me to pray. One day, I said to her, I don't know how to pray. And she said, son, you don't have to know how to pray. All you have to do is to tell God what you feel in your heart, then have a little faith the Lord will do the rest. Through the years, I've been unable to improve my mother's simple, forthright formula of prayer. I still pray this way today. The prayers in this book are born out of my life and experiences. I share them with you with the hope that they will help you in your prayer life. I pray that Jesus Christ of Nazareth will become a real person to you, that you will reach out in your heart and take him as your saviour. Take him as your source. Take him as the provider of things that you need. I pray that you will start giving of your inner self and praying for others and believing and expe expecting a miracle. God bless you. God heal you. God meet your needs. And I believe he will. Your prayer partner, Or Roberts. Amen. Uh, or Roberts, there was a book, um, it's his life story. It's got a picture of him praying for a child on the front cover in black and white. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but highly recommend you read it. It's a wonderful story about how he got healed and how God called him into the ministry and, and how he was a healing evangelist. And they did all the big tent crusades and stuff like that back in the 40s and 50s. Powerful stuff and, uh, and how he went on into the 70s and things. I just want to finish it there. Can we all just stand for a minute?